she called and asked what I was speaking about. And I said I was going to be sharing some scriptures about our continued thought from this morning as far as world hunger goes. And what an appropriate and perfect song uh, Sue to bring tonight. People need the Lord. I, I was struck by the line there toward the end, Sue. When will we realize when we must give our lives for people need the Lord? You know, the greatest call and challenge, just like I spoke this morning about Satan's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. We are to give our, called to give our lives for the purpose and for the reason of seeing people saved for the kingdom of God. It certainly is at the heart of God. And what is at the heart of God should certainly be our heart. Amen? You know, I was thinking, Jeremy, uh, sitting on the front row, about the dumpster picture this morning. I think that's probably the one. And I knew that story because Jerry, Jeremy had shared it with me a while back. And how it really just struck my heart. I said, you know, I bet that lady didn't wake up one day and, and ever dream that she'd be eaten out of a dumpster. You know? And it's not because, again, it's just, you know, I think today I'll go down to Barbecue Barn and eat out, out of the dumpster. It's just where people are. And those people so desperately need Jesus Christ. So many of them are, are physically hungry, but they're spiritually lost spiritually lost. For some reason, a picture flashed up on my phone this week at some point during my journeys, and it was that picture of the bowl of dirty water to him. And I know you were there. You remember that. And we were out at our last pace. We were doing a food distribution. What we do is we go out. This is Niger out in the desert. And uh, those were hard days. They were good days, but they were hard days of ministry. And we would go out into the desert and uh, meet with a village of people, a gathering of leaders, and then they would walk into the next day and get their grain. And some of them walked 7, 10, 15 kilometers to carry back 20 and 30 pound bags of grain for their families. And so they always gave us a trinket or gave us a gift of some sort. And the last place we went was literally was in the middle of the desert. And there, was no, there wasn't even a gathering of huts. There was a shelter built like the nomads would use but, the, but they lived out in, out in the woods, out in the, out the woods, out in the desert. And so we walk in under this building, and they had, us, they had some old rugs like they always had. And sitting in the middle of the rug, the mat, was a stainless steel bowl. And in the stainless steel bowl was dirty water. Now, I wish I'd thought to bring the picture up, and I didn't do that. But when I say dirty water, I mean dirty water. And as you look down into the bowl you saw the, the lava swimming, the bugs. And this was their drinking water. This is what they were going to drink that day. And all they could offer us was that bowl of water. They had nothing else to give but what they drank, the bowl of dirty water. People need the Lord. You know, in Matthew, and I just flipped back and found this, in Matthew chapter 8, you know, the Bible says, in those days... The multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Jesus had compassion on the people because they had nothing to eat. You know, back in the modern day era of the World Hunger Offering, probably back about 2003 or four, somewhere in there, it's when we really started promoting this offering. Do you understand that a lot of churches had no idea what today was? 
Matter of fact, can I say this? Most churches did not deserve World Hunger Day today. And I can't tell you why. We make a big deal of, woo, we're number one, two, or three in Lottie Moon, or one, two, or three in this, and the church that does this. Did you know there's no promotion anywhere of the money's collected as far as what church does what for World Hunger? And I can't explain that to you. Because to me, it's one of the most important offerings there is. And yet receives very little publicity. And I can't explain that to you. But in the early days, we found this monologue. And I remember one year, uh, Jennifer, my daughter, did it as a monologue. She came on stage dressed in some shabby clothes. And this is it's from a long time ago, 1981. But it's still happening today. And the story could have been written yesterday. And it is a true story. It says this. I've had no income and I've paid no rent for many months. My landlord let, lets me stay. He felt sorry for me because I have no money. The Friday before Christmas, he gave me $10. For days, I had nothing but water. I know I needed food. I tried to go out, but I was too weak to walk to the store. I felt as if I were dying. I saw the mailman and told him, I, thought, I think I'm starving. He brought me food, and then he made some phone calls, and that's when they began delivering these lunches. Well, I've already lost so much weight that five meals a week are not enough to keep me going. I just pray to God I can survive. I keep praying I can have the will to save some of my food so I can divide it up and make it last. It's hard to save because I'm so hungry that I want to eat it right away. On Friday, I held over two peas from the lunch. I ate one pea on Saturday morning. Then I got into bed with a taste of food in my mouth and I waited as long as I could. Later on in that day, I ate the other pea. Today, I saved the container that the mashed potatoes were in and tonight before bed, I'll, I'll lick the container on the sides. When there are bones, I keep them. I know this is going to be hard for you to believe and I am almost ashamed to tell you but these days I boil the bones until they're soft and then I eat them. And today there are no bones. That's hunger in America. And it is at the heart of Almighty God. Amen? Now, social ministries and hunger ministries can never replace the gospel. Again, if all we do is feed people, we'll send fat people to hell. Understand that's not what this is all about. But the truth is, and you saw it with Jesus in Mark chapter 8, he had compassion on the people because they had nothing to eat. Food ministries, clothing ministries, water ministries, what they do is they earn a right and a trust to share the gospel. That's what it does. When we do his table on Thursday nights, we are earning the right to share the gospel. One, one of the men here, and I won't embarrass him by saying his name, I watched as this man was there, and he just went from table to table, sharing and talking with people. And it was just a beautiful thing to see, a wondrous thing to see. With Soldier's Kitchen over in El Dorado, again, it's about feeding people to earn the right and the trust. The four C's, to earn the right and the trust to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, like I said earlier, what remains in the heart of God should always be on our heart, always. And the amazing part is, it's good for us. I've, I've said this several times, so I'm hoping you sense in my heart how important this is. The reason most churches 
end up in trouble is because they stop reaching out. When we stop reaching out, we start focusing on us and not God and not on others. And we start focusing on ourselves, we become self-centered and there's infighting about this and about that and the topics don't matter. You pick them. But I've noticed this. I've noticed that at Dorsville, the more outreaching we are, the better we get along. The more we serve, the better we get along here. And it's just right, just the way it is. I told you a story before. My secretary um, at Cobden was a lady named William, uh, Liddy Williams, and she's just a wonderful secretary, a good, good friend to this day. And um, every once in a while, she'd see me getting just a hair grumpy. I know it's hard for you to believe, um, but just a little bit grumpy. And she just looked me in the face, and she'd go, Dwayne, you need to go to the nursing home. Because she knew when I got out there and started ministering and loving people, it changed me. And when we minister to people, it changes us. It changes us. So what I'd like to do tonight is I really want to answer a question. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, um, when, when Cain had already killed Abel, and God shows up and says to, to Cain, you know, where's your brother? And Cain goes, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And I need for you to know tonight that according to Scripture, we are. We have a responsibility to care for other human beings for the purpose of earning a trust to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I don't know how many of these will get done tonight or how many I want to do, to be honest with you. Um, but the Bible's full of scriptures about feeding the hungry. I, I'm, I'm, as I'm doing this today, as I'm studying for this, and this week as I research the scriptures out, I'm going, I said, this must really be important to God. Because all over, New Testament and Old, over and over again, I read these scriptures and it says, take care of people, take care of people. I mean, do you remember what, what you know, Jesus said? You know, what's, what's the most important command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one's like it. Love your neighbors yourself. And on that hinges all the law. Love God, love people. And all the law hinges on that. So again, what's so important to God surely must be important to us. And if there's one thing we can keep doing and grow stronger in, it's reaching out and loving people. Well, someone this morning, I can't remember who it may have been, Brother Brent, kind of referenced this scripture. It's Matthew chapter 25, and that's where we are going to talk from tonight, at least one of the places. Matthew 25, it's a wonderful scripture. It's one we're familiar with. But I hope it will re, regrip our hearts tonight like we've heard it for the first time. We can't lose this. I, I, almost, I almost say to lose this means we lose the, the heart of our church. So we can't lose this. Now, again, you're familiar with it, but let me just kind of talk through it. Matthew 25, verse 31. And the Bible simply says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory. Now, let me tell you what I think. Because there's a question, when does this occur? When, is this, when does this happen? Well, I think most theologians kind of believe um, that, you know, there, of course, is the rapture of the church, and we're taken out, and there's seven years then of tribulation. Y'all got that from the book of Revelation? You got that? There's seven years, and during that seven years, of course, it's havoc, it's judgment. I mean, it's all kind of bad things going on. But during that time, people are being saved. Um, it's hard to imagine without, without, you know, without the, really the presence of God in the world, the Antichrist on the throne of the world, but it happens. And, and a chunk of Jews, a lot of Jews, 
will finally realize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And in spite of persecution, they are going to serve Jesus as the Messiah. They're finally going to, not the nation as a whole, but a large portion of Jews will come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and understand that he was the Messiah. And they will become Messianic Jews that become Christ followers. And Gentiles will be saved. Again, there'll be some people during that time who recognize the judgment of God. And they will go through the horrors of judgment. They will not be exempt from that. But they too will be saved. And the Antichrist, as much as he will hate the Gentiles who choose to follow God, is going to double hate the Jews. He will seek like never before to destroy those Messianic Jews, the ones who have followed Christ. They will become the major target of his wrath. And, and again, as hard as it is for people who won't take the mark to buy or sell, it'll be even harder for the Jews. And so even through all the judgment of God, even through all the difficult circumstances, through the Antichrist killing people, at the end of the tribulation, there will be some who survive. There'll be some, some Gentile believers who came to faith, and there'll be some Messianic Jews who came to faith. And a lot of people believe it's at that end of the seven years when Jesus now holds this judgment. So that's kind of the background and the setup for when this happens. And it kind of explains it. All right? So when the Son of Man, at the end of the tribulation, comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations, the surviving nations, will be gathered before Him. And He will separate one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. Okay? So we have a judgment scene. All the nations of the remaining remaining nations of the world are there and Jesus separates as it were sheep on one side and goats on the other. Now, look what he says in verse number 34. So the king will say to those on his right, the position of honor, come you who are blessed by my Father to inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. And then he goes into what we hear so often. We heard this morning from Brother Brent. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was stranger and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. And I was in prison. And boy, how appropriate will that be in the, in the tribulation time. I was in prison, and you visited me. So these are things that Jesus says, these are things that you've done to me. Now, let me just pause and say this, that, that this is the life of ministry. If you wanted, if you wanted a job description for the church a chunk of the job description would be found right here. I, I honestly believe the church in this century should be doing these things. We should be doing this. And the more we do, the more we feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty and, and take in the stranger and clothe the naked and, and visit the sick and those who are in prison, the more we do those kind of things, the more Christ-like we're going to be as a church. 
Again, how appropriate is our motto and mantra, whatever you call that, because every person matters. The more we believe that and the more we live that out, I honestly believe the more we are the church that God wants us to be. Well, the bottom line is the people on the right, the sheep, um, are really surprised. They, they don't understand because they're looking at Jesus going, we don't remember doing this. In fact, that's what they say. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? Or when did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And here, here's that nugget of gold that we need to just burn into our hearts tonight. And the king will answer them and say, I assure you, whatever you did for, the one, for one of the least of these, my brothers of mine, you did for me. Let me read that to you again so you won't gloss over it. I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers of mine, you did it for me. And it very clearly, I mean, it very clearly teaches that when we reach out and minister in the name of Jesus Christ to the least of these, we are ministering to Christ. We are ministering to Christ. Now, probably we need to clarify one thing, and that is this, that the sheep weren't sheep because they did that. The sheep were sheep by God's amazing grace. But what they did were the characteristics of the righteous. They, 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 those Jewish, he's talking about the Jewish brothers here during the tribulation. They, they, they visited them in prison. They fed them. They clothed them. They gave them the drink. They did all that because of their faith in Christ. That's why they did that. And why should we do what we do? Why should we feed the hungry? Why should we care? I mean, we could have one whiz-bang party with almost $9,000 collected today. We could have solved part of our budget problem with $9,000. Why didn't we just do that? Because it's so Christ-like when we sacrifice and give it away for the sake of others. That's a good place for an amen. That's a good place for an amen. It's so Christ-like. We're not, forgive me, we're not Christ-like in our religiousness. We're Christ-like in our charity. I mean, Christ came and gave himself away. And we're most like Christ when we give ourselves away. And again, we must not stop with just that. When Donnie does his benevolent work that you don't know about, but when he does his benevolent work, there were people in our services this morning because of his benevolent work. The church's benevolent work, but he's our representative. You know, when he does that, you know, the gospel is shared. It's not just about feeding hungry people. Again, we send fat people to hell. It's about earning the right to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you've done it to the least of one of these, my brothers, you did it for me. So on one hand, I say tonight, amen, Dorsville. Let's keep going. Let's don't lose that focus. Don't lose that focus of serving Christ through serving others. Because when we're on our knees washing feet, we're, we're, we're in our kitchen preparing food, when a Thursday night or, or a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Soldier's Kitchen or back working over in the Four Seas, when we're doing those different things, we're doing blessing baskets, you know, we're doing the back-to-school event, when we're doing that, we're serving people in Jesus' name to earn the right.
to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then there's just a bouquet of flowers of scripture dealing with. And I just want to read a few of them to you tonight to encourage you how important this is. Because, you know, some people say, I just don't think it's the church's job to feed people. Well, they just don't know their Bible. That's their problem. I mean, it's not like it's a hidden secret. I mean, listen to these words. This is Isaiah 58, 7 in the Old Testament. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And you're going to like this in part. And do not hide from your relatives who need help. Don't you love that one? Uh, come on, now you thought that about your mother-in-law. You thought that was your mother-in-law. Let me read that one again. Share, share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from your relatives, your cousin Eddie, who needs your help. Then Isaiah 58.10. If you give some of your own food to feed those who are hungry and to satisfy the needs of those who are humble, then your light will rise in the dark and your darkness will become as bright as the noonday sun. How powerful. Let's skip up to Jesus. In Luke chapter 3, verse 11, he answered them and said, this is Jesus speaking, whoever has two shirts should share with a person who doesn't have any. Whoever has food should share it too. That's the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we go to Matthew. Jesus again. I, I tell all of you with certainty, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is a disciple of mine, will never lose his reward. You know, if that's true, then that means when we do some of the things we do, that's how, okay, that's how we earn the well-done, good, and faithful servant. I mean, you're not going to get a badge for coming to church three times a week. But you will get a badge for giving a cup of water in Jesus' name, or a pair of shoes, or feeding the hungry. Now, Proverbs is loaded. Here's a couple. Proverbs 19, 17. The one who is gracious to the poor. Now, listen to this. This is a good one. The one who is gracious or kind to the poor lends to the Lord. If you're gracious to the poor, you lend to the poor. And the Lord will repay him for his good deed. Proverbs 22, 9. A generous person will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. And then James, the half-brother of Jesus, grew up with Jesus. His, Jesus was his big brother. James writes and says, Suppose a brother or sister does not have any clothes or daily food. And one of you, he says, one of you, tells them, Go in peace, stay warm, eat heartily. If you do not provide for their bodily needs, what good does it do? In the same way, Faith by itself, if it does not prove itself with actions, is dead. Wow. That is so strong coming from the mouth of the half-brother of Jesus Christ. In other words, ministry that talks is cheap. Ministry that serves is effective. Amen? Amen. We just got to keep doing what we're doing, guys. That's the, that's the encouraging part here. You know, these are things we do. It's just encouragement to keep going. Now, we're in 1 John, John the Apostle. 1 John 3. Now, suppose a person has enough to live on. Now, you don't have to be opulently wealth to do something today in world hunger. That's what blessed my heart. It wasn't that a person walked up and wrote a $20,000 check. 
but it's that people reached into their wallet and said, what have I got that I can give? And they gave. They gave. So many people played a part in the offering this morning. It was incredible. And I know there were people that didn't want to come forward that still gave. So it's just an incredible outpouring of love and obedience and sacrifice. So suppose a person has enough to live on and notices another believer in need. How can God's love be in that person if he doesn't bother to help the other believer? In other words, if we don't help others when we got the opportunity, how can we say we have the love of God? Dear children, we must show love through actions, through actions that are sincere, not through empty words. Another Proverbs. Whoever oppresses the poor insults his maker. Whoever oppresses the poor insults his maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors him. If I just read that right, when we help the needy, we're honoring God. How about that? How about that? Two more. Galatians 6.2. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And finally, Philippians 2.4. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others as well. So let me close tonight by just simply saying this. Thank you for being Dorisville. As your pastor, I'm proud to be a member and associate of yours in Dorisville Ministries. And I just pray that we'll have the... Uh, let, me just, let me just tell you something. I got an email from Nate Adams this week. And this is very candid, by the way, very transparent. And so Nate said, I want you to know, Dwayne, that we prayed for you by name. It's during Pastor Appreciation Month. We're praying for our pastors. And this morning is my privilege to pray for you. And if you've got something, and we hope you do, that you'd like for us to pray for, if you'll fill out this little form and email it back, you have our assurance that our staff will be praying for those concerns um, during this month. And so normally I'm the kind of guy, kind of, well, you know, but I didn't. And so the first question was, how can we pray for you? And the, and the answer was that I might finish well. I'm in my later years and that I may finish well in the calling, whatever that means, however God's got it planned out for me uh, to the day I die, that I might finish well. How can we pray for your church? That Dorisville will remain and keep its focus on the kingdom and on missions here and around the world. That we may keep our focus on missions both here and around the world. That's what the IBSA staff is praying for Dorisville. And that's my prayer too. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for the privilege of being a part of a church here. I don't know why in the world you allowed me to come here those many years ago now. But I'm sure grateful you did. Thank you for that. And I was just blessed today. I was blessed with the music. I was blessed with the opportunity to teach the word, the specials, the choir. When those folks all came forward to give, I'm, in, I'm blessed with the dollar amount tonight. I'm just blessed. And I want to thank you for all of that. And Father, the world's getting darker, not lighter. And more and more it's important, it's just important, Father, that we stay focused. So help us to stay the course. Help us to stay the course physically. Help us to man his table when our opportunity comes up to man it well. Soldier's kitchen to man it well. The four C's to man it well. Judgment house to man it well. 
Father, help us to do all things well for you. Help us remain faithful in our giving. Right around the corner is the biggest offering of the year. With a goal, and Father, even when I say these words, they stumble coming out of my mouth. A goal of over $50,000. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, help us. Help us to be obedient to you. People need the Lord. Our sister sang it so beautifully tonight. May we be a big part of your kingdom as people need the Lord. We love you, Jesus. You've been so gracious and good to us. We can never pay you back. The debt is too great. But we can, out of love, serve you. And help us to do that. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.